0: Okay, 3, two, one. oh my goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day, my name is Zach, oh god, my name is Zach Schaumler, this is Strong Opinion Sports, I was wearing sunglasses as a joke for Instagram, and I forgot to take them off, and now I look like an idiot, I'm just gonna play with it, I'm gonna keep going, uh, today is Monday, July 29th, um, short episode today, um, if you're listening on audio feeds, you might have the best version of this show. So my hair is down today. I have kind of like a weird Jesse Eisenberg look going, and I got a beard that's ugly. So, you know, I, I guess if you hate how I look, I don't know, it's an audio, you can listen to it on audio-only feeds, listen to it on iTunes. If you hate how my face looks, I don't know, I don't really care. Uh, a lot of good stuff today to talk about. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about some baseball, actually, we're going to talk about some changes I'm going to make to the show, um, a lot of good stuff, stuff I'm really excited for. Um, I also want to let you guys know that I'm in the middle of working on a, wow, I cut my hand. Look at that. I cut my hand. You can't see that, but it's pretty deep cut too. That's weird. Where did that come from? I have no idea. Um, I'm working on a, uh, what am I talking? So, wow, I got really thrown out. My hand is bleeding. I don't know why. Call me Leonardo DiCaprio. What the heck? That's so weird. Um, I'm going to make some changes to strong opinion sports. We'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, We're going to talk about Kirk Cousins down the road. I want to let you know that right now I'm working on an Easton Stick Stick film analysis, the former North Dakota quarterback. He's now the backup with the LA Chargers. Um, And, uh, you know, that video is not going to make me any money. I just, that's how, when I evaluate college quarterbacks, my Trevor Lawrence video got claimed. And I don't, I I haven't done a lot more college quarterbacks. I want to make money. Those are my highest grossing videos. And so I'm letting you know, I'm going to make the video it's not going to make any money. It's probably going to get claimed. It's going to suck, but I'm going to make it for you guys. So I really, I'm curious. Is he the next, is he the future of the LA Chargers? We're going to do a Josh Allen film analysis in the next couple days. We're going to do a Sam Darnold film analysis in the next couple days. Those are not today, but I want to let you know I'm working on them. They are coming soon. Dude, I got really thrown off. I'm bleeding. I wear sunglasses. This is the most disastrous beginning to any podcast I've ever had. Can anyone see like, maybe you can't. I'm straight up bleeding. What, the, what in the world? Um, sorry if you're like driving and you hate blood and the sound of it and it's just throwing up or something. Um, I want to shift gears, I guess, to Baker Mayfield. What the heck is going on? What the most discombobulated beginning to an episode I've ever had in my life. I don't even know what's going on. Oh, you know what it is? I was putting up a door. I'm so sorry. This is all filler. I apologize. There's a door I put to my basement, you know, to uh, make it so people can't, you can't hear them. There's a divider between my basement where I live and the upstairs where everyone else I live with lives. And I was putting up the door and I must have cut my hand that way. Wow. Well, that's gross. I got grease in my mouth and I licked it. That's nasty. I want to shift gears to Baker Mayfield. I am sorry. I am just all out of whack. Um, the question, it's been on my mind and a lot of people have been, um, I, I've seen this question circulating around animal media and a lot a lot of people commenting on my stuff, asking these questions. Um, I want to talk about this idea does Baker Mayfield have a chance to win the NFL MVP? And to me, the answer is yes. I really do think, right? Um, there's no hesitation either. I really believe Baker Mayfield could win an NFL MVP. I think he could this season. Uh, now, right off the bat, there's a few reasons why people doubt this. I think they're actually um, very silly. When you consider both sides, when you consider reasons why Baker Mayfield might not win an NFL MVP and the reasons why Baker Mayfield might win an NFL MVP, I really think, there's a more compelling argument why he might win an NFL MVP than why he might not. Um, you know, some people are saying it's too early to tell. Fine, I get it. Like, it's, I know the season hasn't even started yet. Um, if you're one of those people, I know it's August. I'm curious. Does he have a chance? I think he does. We'll talk about it. If, if you're not any fun and don't want to have that discussion, I guess go away. I, I don't even know what to say to you. Now, some people say this is only Bacon Rayfield's second season in the NFL. And that is an argument that um, I think he's just silly. I get where they're coming from. They're saying it's too early, he's young, he was a rookie last year. Um, <laughs> I don't think people understand. You do realize Patrick Mahomes won the NFL MVP just last year in his second season in the NFL. And by the way, his first year as an NFL starting quarterback. This will be Baker Mayfield's second year as an NFL starting quarterback. That's a silly reason to say, oh, with Baker's second year, he has no chance. You're wrong, that's silly. Um, now... <laughs> Reason number three is uh, some people simply write off Baker Mayfield because he is the Cleveland Browns quarterback. They say Baker Mayfield could not win an NFL MVP this season because he's the Browns quarterback. Um, Now, I think being the Cleveland Browns quarterback is exactly why he could win an NFL MVP. Uh, I I think people focus often on the bad history of the Browns. To me, that's irrelevant. Uh, I think it's borderline superstitious. Who cares what happened in the past? Let's talk about the Browns right now this year. And the Browns have a ton of talent. There are stars everywhere. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Kareem Hunt, once he returns from his suspension, Nick Chubb. And what talent means is talent means a lot of potential for a ton of points. Points, stats, Baker Mayfield, if he has a good year like we all think he might, there's potential there for stats to be incredible. And, and, you know, Baker Mayfield has a chance to be the quarterback of one of the best offenses in the league right away. If you're the quarterback of one of the best offenses in the NFL, that immediately puts you into the NFL discussion, NFL MVP discussion, whether you like it or not. And that's the kind of year I see that we could have from Baker Mayfield. But all of the bad history of the Cleveland Browns, in my opinion, actually helps Baker. It's going to be too good of a story to ignore if he's fantastic. If the Browns make the playoffs, and if they have one of the best offenses in the entire NFL, then Baker will actually be an easy favorite to win the NFL MVP. That story's too good. A historically bad franchise, a quarterback a lot of people don't like, a polarizing guy who's a loudmouth, who got into fights with people in the media. It's too good if he dominates. Man. Man. I I, I think he could win and would have the edge because of who he is and because of the history of the Cleveland Browns. Now, people also need to take a look at the Cleveland Browns schedule. Early in the year, they play on Monday Night Football in New York against the Jets. Then later, I think like two weeks later, they play Sunday Night Football against the Rams. Monday Night Football, the next week, against... The 49ers in San Francisco, they play in Monday Night Football. In the first five weeks, they have three primetime games alone. Then they play the Seahawks. They play in New England. uh, And I'm going to pick them to lose against New England, likely, but uh, they do have a bye week heading into that game. So even if they lose to New England, they could put on a really good showing. And then that's another primetime game where the Browns had a good performance and people watched and saw who Baker Mayfield is. That's a late afternoon game. Patriots, Browns. Pedro, uh, Browns coming off a bye week. I think that's going to be a good showing for Baker Mayfield. And because it's the Patriots, a lot of people are going to watch. Later in the year, the, uh, the Browns pay the, play the Steelers on Thursday night football. My point is this. Yes, the Browns have a very difficult schedule. But I think actually, because it's difficult, because they have a lot of primetime games, and I think the Browns have a chance to win a couple of those games, they're, they could leave a very big impression on everybody. In the NFL, my opinion, uh, there are a lot of high stakes. A lot of people are going to be watching the Cleveland Browns this year. Are they any good? They're on prime time. This that Baker Mayfield is going to have a lot of opportunities to grab people's attention. And by the way, the question, if the question is this: If the question is, does Baker Mayfield have the talent to win an NFL MVP? Answer is absolutely yes. His arm is unbelievable. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Baker Mayfield. If you are a young quarterback who wants to learn how to throw a football, moder- model your throwing motion after Baker Mayfield's. He can make every throw in the book. He's incredible. I-, I think Baker Mayfield has not only the talent, not only has the story, not only has the eyeballs. People, he's going to be in prime time. He's going to have stars all around him. They have a great offense. They're going to be on prime time. A lot of opportunities to win people's hearts over. He's got the talent, and he's got a great story. That's a lot of reasons why, in my opinion, Baker Mayfield not only could win an NFL MVP, he should be on the NFL MVP watch list, and I think actually early on could be a favorite this year because of the story, who he is, his talent, the great players they have around him, and the opportunities he's going to have on primetime to impress a lot of people. Baker Mayfield should indeed be on the NFL MVP watch list. Okay, uh, historically <laughs> Historically, Kirk Cousins, the Minnesota Vikings quarterback, has struggled in big moments. I'm going to give you a lot of information next. I want you to listen, try to digest everything I'm going to say, because I think it's important evidence to back up a claim I'm going to make. In his career, Kirk Cousins is five and 25 against teams that finished their season with a winning record. 5-25, 5-26 and, 25, five and 26, if you consider the playoff game Kirk Cousins lost in 2015. Now, even if you change the criteria slightly, say, what about teams that didn't finish their season with a winning record, but teams that had a winning record at the time they played Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins is 9-19-1 nine, against teams that had winning records at the time they played the game. Either way you look at it, that's a disappointing result. Kirk has a very strongly, very much a losing record against teams with winning records. He's 0-7 on Monday Night Football. He is 4-12 and in the 16 games he's played at night, games we call primetime games, with a lot of eyeballs, games a lot of people watching, millions of people versus you know a way more spread out population of people watching. Now, personally, I think those stats are a bit annoying. People, I, in my opinion, I'm not a big stat head. I don't like stats very much. Um, it's obvious to me. You, you see it in politics. You see it in sports. You see it everywhere in the world. People have gotten really good at manipulating statistics and manipulating numbers. I, I, don't, I don't live or die by the numbers. Who cares what games he won? What's the context of the games that Kirk Cousins won and lost? What happened? Um, because context matters much must be acknowledged. We got to talk about it. Uh, And you got to, you know, really be clear, Kirk Cousins has played on a lot of average teams, right? He's been often in primetime games with not a great team around him going against really good teams with winning records. Games like, you know, in 2017, they played the Cowboys who made the playoffs and had a great year that year. Or also in 2017, they played the Eagles who went on to win the Super Bowl. Those are two primetime games Kirk Cousins played that year and he was desperately overmatched and outmatched. Because the rosters he played against were much better than the ones he had to work with. And last season in 2018, the Minnesota Vikings were a mess. They were terrible. They had a battle line. They had you know weird offensive schemes. A lot of problems behind the scenes, I believe, with coaching. I did a whole breakdown of the Vikings last year. They were a mess. So context does matter, right? You gotta, he had, he's not had great help around him. He had a bad offensive line last year. When you talk about the, the games Kirk Cousins has won and lost... Context matters. But even with context, you look at what happened despite the win loss record, what went on in the game. He's had some really good games on primetime in big moments, and he's had some really bad games in primetime moments with a lot of people watching. Uh, you know, some, some of them were terrible, some of them were great. In 2014, he had five turnovers, four interceptions, and one fumble, and a loss 45 to 14 to the Giants. Primetime game played horribly. In 2015, though, he beat the Eagles 38 to 14. His team did. He had 365 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. Contrasting what well, one game, five turnovers horrible. The other game he won, but well, I blow it on the other side, had a great game. How about in 2016 against the Packers? In prime time, he had three touchdowns, no interceptions. He beat the Packers. His team beat the Packers 42 to 24. Now in 2018, last year, against the Rams, I know a lot of information. His team lost to the Rams 38-31. to He had a great game statistically. 422 yards passing, three touchdowns. But, but, he had a costly fumble late that influenced the end of the game. Close loss, had a good stat line, but a, fu- a turnover late. What about, again, in 2018 week 11 versus the Bears? They lost 25-20. to And Kirk Cousins, what do you know? Had a pick six late in the fourth quarter that gave the Bears a good lead. So, when you look at Kirk Cousins' primetime games, a reoccurring theme, a reoccurring theme in the games he's lost, is a late turnover, a fumble, or an interception late in the fourth quarter that gives the other team an edge. That's what happens time and time again. Look back to 2018 again. Remember the Rams game, end of the Rams game. A close loss, had a fumble, they gave the Rams the ball back. Uh, against the Bears, week 11, late in the fourth quarter, a costly pick six. And in the Saints game, week eight, late in the second half, he had a pick six. Now, I know it's a lot of information. I said a lot of stuff. I said he's bad. The numbers are bad, but he's played on bad teams. But if you look at the mistakes Kirk has made, he's made a lot of mistakes in big time games, in big moments, and and turned over the ball. And the point I'm trying to make is that Kirk has really struggled in big moments in his career. They're outliers. He's got good games. Of course, everyone has good games. That's fine. And, and yes, the win-loss record for Kirk Cousins sometimes is because he's a victim of the bad team around him. But also, regularly, and I think this is something I can't dispute, I'm, I'm probably saying a lot of things people already believe, which is that Kirk Cousins struggles, Kirk Cousins really struggles in big-time moments at the end of games. So in 2017, Kirk Cousins had a late interception against the Eagles, which gave them a bigger lead. And before that, the year before that in 2016, against the Panthers and the Steelers both, he had costly turnovers that hurt his team late in the game. And over and over again, moments like this just pile up where you go, man, Kirk really struggles in big moments at the end of games. And to me, When you ask, hey, Zach, what's wrong with Kirk Cousins? Why do you think he struggles in big-time moments? The answer to me is very simple. I look at Kirk and think he must have some kind of performance anxiety. This is just speculation. This is my my opinion. But it looks like he gets flustered in high-pressure, intense situations, stressful situations. I don't think he handles them very well. Uh, You know, the best example I can think of is this, where in 2015, Right before halftime against the Eagles, Kirk Cousins' team, the Redskins, had the ball. They're on like the six-yard line. The clock is running down. Pressure's building and building. Tick-tock. 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 The clock's winding down. And instead of spiking the ball into the dirt, stopping the clock and allowing his team to have a chance to kick a chip shot field goal, what Kirk Cousins did was took a knee. A boneheaded mistake, a huge error. And instead of kicking a chip shot field goal, getting three points, maybe even seven, they could have stopped the clock fast enough, thrown the ball into the end zone. Instead, Kirk's team got no points. He ran down the clock and completely screwed up. And to me, I look at that moment ago, the guy got flustered, obviously. He got stressed, he got overwhelmed, and just did absolutely the wrong thing at a total brain fart. I've heard guys talk about this before. They talk about moments where, They want to succeed so badly. They get so amped up that they can't overcome their nerves. And to me, when I watch Kirk Cousins, he just exudes a nervous energy. Again, this is all speculation. I'm just telling you what I see and what my opinion is. But if you ask me, hey, Zach, what's wrong with Kirk Cousins? Why does he struggle in big moments? I think he just gets too amped up. My opinion is the guy has performance anxiety of some kind, and he can't overcome his nerves. I think it's a mental issue. He's well capable of being a great quarterback. He's, he's a good quarterback. He could become an elite quarterback. The talent is there for Kirk Cousins. The ability is there. But to this point in his career, he cannot seem to get out of his own way. And, and I've talked about, I did a whole breakdown on Kirk Cousins. I talked about, this is, this is one of the things I cut out. At, you know, I've talked about how he really struggles with attention to detail. I don't think that's who he is as a quarterback. Most of the time, his attention to detail is fantastic. But you'll notice in the higher pressure situations, prime time games, the end of games on third down, that's when the attention to detail falls away. I think he just wants it so badly and he can't handle it. He goes, ah, and all this nervous energy boils out of him. You know, I've learned from a lot of moments in my life uh, or at least what felt like really big moments in my life. Moments like, you know, a job interview or a first date with a girl you really like and think is amazing. Or maybe, you know, my my a great example of this is my first football practice. After four years off of college football, I went back to football. My first football practice with a new team. I've only been there for like, a month and a half on the whole college. I haven't, I haven't been there at all. I, meeting all these new guys, every practice. And, and I was like, man, I'm nervous. And I had to take a deep breath. I had to acknowledge like, man, I am, I'm nervous. I would go, take a deep breath, breathe it out, try to smile, go, ah, man. Cause if I didn't acknowledge, Hey, I'm, I'm a little stressed. I want to do well in this environment. I'm a little bit nervous. And just acknowledging it to myself. Gave me permission to work through it and kind of move on. That alone helped me a lot. And I watch moments with Kirk Cousins where he's, you know, like a he's like a bottle of all this stress and desire and angst, and he wants to succeed so bad, and he just is like a a wreck of nervous energy. The body language to me when you watch Kirk Cousins at big moments. Ooh, my opinion. I think it's wants to succeed so badly that he works himself up. That's what I see. He gets flustered. He doesn't play, pay as close attention to detail. And that, in my opinion, is why Kirk Cousins struggles late in games, in big-time moments, in primetime games. I think Kirk Cousins has some kind of nervousness or performance anxiety, and that is why he struggles late in games, in big-time moments. Okay, um, I do this every episode. This topic is very important to me. Uh, it is, if you are struggling, please go get help. Uh, three years ago, my younger brother died. It's awful. Uh, it's not something... I, I know I, I probably say it too easily now because I've told the story so many times. Um, guys, this is one of the worst things that ever happened to me. I, I think it, it really it's the worst thing that did ever happen to me was losing my younger brother. Um, and it, it. it caused a lot of grief and a lot of pain. Um, but two things stand out to me from that experience, and I think they're they're important. I try to share with them every episode. The one thing is this: um, you know, my brother and I would play Halo every single week. We'd get together on the couch, we'd hang out. I was around him all the time, and uh, I never made it clear enough to him. Hey, Zena, I love you. I am here for you. And I, I, if you ever need to talk, I will listen to you. I never really did a good enough job reaching out to him, and my brother took his own life. And uh, it just makes me sad to reflect on, like, man, I should have done a better job making sure that he knew he was loved and that I was there for him. And so I just encourage you in your life, please, if make sure the people in your life, in your life that you care about, know that you care about them, that you're there for them, that if they're struggling, you're willing to listen to them. Just please be very, very careful to people in your life, the people you care about. Make sure they know you're there for them and you care about them. Uh, the suicide hotline is one eight hundred. 273 8255 one 800 273 8255 And um, it's, you know, you gotta read that. But I think really, if you're struggling, call that. And that's the second part, right? The first part is that I wish my brother had known how much I cared about him and that if he told me his struggles, I would have been there for him. I wish my brother had known that I didn't do a good job making sure, good enough job making sure my brother knew that. But the other thing that makes me sad about my brother's death is that my brother never reached out for help. I had no idea he was struggling, no one really did. And so, I encourage you, please, if you're struggling, go get help. Again, 1 800 273 8255. Talk to someone in your life. You can call a phone line. It's great if that's what you need, do it. I wish my brother just said to me, Hey, I'm having a hard time. I'm struggling. I know that takes a lot of courage. Um, but I encourage you, man, if you were having a hard time, don't bottle it up. Don't keep your struggles a secret. Please talk to somebody for having a hard time. And even more than that, the way you can make an impact, if you just make sure the people in your life know that they're loved and you're there for them but they're having a hard time. Guys, my name is Zach Shomler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, uh, we got some fun topics coming up. One of the topics we got coming up is the most horrifying mascot in all of America. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the future of strong opinion sports. I have a new segment I'm working on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about baseball later, and uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff up ahead worth listening to. Please uh, stick around. My name is Zach Shomler. I will be right all right, we are back. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. And uh, gosh, I have been discombobulated this entire... You know, I started out the podcast wearing sunglasses by accident. I was bleeding. I'm just kind of a mess right now. Um, and this, by the way, is the fourth time I have tried recording this segment I'm about to do right now. I have an idea. An idea I'm very proud of. An idea I like. Uh, an idea that I think is a little bit nervi- nerve wracking for me to announce because I think that um, well, it's paid content is what it is. And if you don't want it, that's fine. Um, I just don't want people to be mad at me for announcing it. Uh, it's a new segment on the show called Ask Zach. I'm very honest about it. Um, there were three things I wanted to achieve with this. Look, I, 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 it's really two. I wanted to do a segment where I answered listener questions and I... I've been wrestling with it for a long time. How do I do this? How do I go about it? And a podcast I love called Sacred Symbols does it, does it through Patreon, where people who support the show on Patreon can submit questions, comments, and concerns to the show. And they do a segment, they call it read or mail. I call it listener questions, where people who listen to the show can ask questions to the show and I answer them in a segment. So what I'm gonna do is call the segment Ask Zach. It's a segment where I, just, I read the questions people have sent to me, And I answer them at the end of every show. And I want to be very clear. So this is a way for me to engage the people on Patreon, people who support my Patreon. My Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler, And I am still, by the way, learning how to use that platform. I'm an idiot. I'm kind of a mess. I don't fully understand it all the way. Um, And to this point, I've only been using it as a way for people to donate money to me. And what I want to do is give my patrons a benefit and give it some kind of a... uh, a reason for people to support me on Patreon. So this is my answer, my idea. This is what I'm going to do. It's not just an idea. It's a plan I'm moving forward with. Every time I go to prepare Strong Opinion Sports, I'm going to look at my direct messages on Patreon and look for questions, comments, concerns, and ideas from the audience, from you guys, from the people who support me on Patreon. And I will pick the top five, six, seven, maybe eight The top couple questions every episode I do and answer them on the show. And the only way for your question to get submitted to the, like, box where I pick a couple questions from, Patreon DMs, Patreon messages, is if you support me on Patreon. And now let me be very clear. If you support a question that does not mean necessarily your question is going to get read on the show, it does mean it will cross my desk. I will look at it. I will read it and I will decide whether or not I'm going to read it on the show. But I'm going to pick the top couple questions every episode and read them on the show. If you have maybe you don't want this at all. That's fine. Um, But. It's a way for if people really desperately want to ask questions or people on Patreon want to support the show or want to engage, this is how they can do it. Um, I set the minimum requirement for people to support me on Patreon at $1 a month. $1 a month, that's $12 a year. So if you want to just submit questions to Ask Zach, go ahead. It's $1 a month. That's, all I, that's the minimum requirement uh, for that. So again, very clear. If you submit a question, it does not mean I'll read it on the show. But what it does mean is I'll read it. And consider putting it in the topic for Ask Zach, where I answer a couple of the questions every episode. I hope that all makes sense. Um, I don't know if it does. I'm doing the best I can. I'm super nervous to announce this. Um, I'm just afraid to make people mad. I don't know why. I don't. I've never done paid content before. Uh, so let me be very clear. This segment, Ask Zach, will be available to everybody. It's free. Anybody can listen to it, but you have to pay if you want to submit a question to it. Does that make sense? pay them if you're a monthly sub- follower or subscriber on patreon you will get the opportunity to submit questions and i'll, I'll read them and i'll listen to them and pick them so i, I hope that all makes sense uh, i know some people are going to feel left out i'm very sorry um but i want to you know make this a special thing for people who support me on patreon so i can engage with them listen to them and uh, i'm probably going on about this way too long but i, I just a thing that uh you know makes me a little bit nervous and so i uh, to announce, because I know people don't like change and paid content's a whole mess on the internet. Some people are awful and do terrible stuff. So I'm just trying to be very honest and upfront. Um, I, I personally think this is a great idea. I like it. It's a reward for people who support me on Patreon, um, and it's a, a way for me to funnel. I get so many, I get thousands and thousands of messages all the time, and it's a way for me to put all of them in one place and kind of filter out all the crazy ones. And I know if if you support me on Patreon you take sending me a message more seriously than some random commenter on YouTube or Instagram or Twitter. And so I, I, that's the people I want to engage with. And it's a, I just, that's, I want to do a better job connecting with people on Patreon and uh, I, I'm very excited. So, you know, this whole idea of doing listener questions is something I've wanted to do for a long time. It always felt really daunting until I realized, Oh, Hey, what I can do is do it through Patreon. So again, if you support me a dollar a month or more, you can send me messages on Patreon. I'll read my messages before every single episode, see what questions are new and submitted and you know keep notes on all the questions and then pick the top five, six, maybe seven. And every episode, do a segment at the end called Ask Zach or answer listener questions supported by Patreon people from Patreon. Um, so I, I just, you know, I, I hope that all makes sense. I don't know. I am so horrified and nervous for some reason to announce this because um, I just I understand how you know sometimes badly paid content on the internet goes. Um, frankly, you know if if you hate this idea and you don't want it at all, nothing's changing for you. You don't have to support me on Patreon. You don't have to do anything. It'll be at the end of the show. If you want to hear the segment, you can. The segment will be free to listen to. But the only way you can submit questions is if you are a Patreon supporter. That's my plan. Um, I guess that's that's straightforward. I, I hope nobody reacts mad about that. I don't know why people would, but you know, people do get mad about stuff, and so um, I just I don't know. I, that's my idea. That's what I'm going to do moving forward. It's not just an idea; it's a real thing. Uh, and I guess my two final thoughts are this. You know, one is that remember, please, if you submit a question, that does not necessarily mean. I'm going to read your question on the show. It means I'll look at your question, but I'm going to pick the top five to six, seven, probably five to eight questions. The best ones, the most interesting ones at the time, and read them on the show and answer them on the show. That's a new segment I'll do. Ask Zach questions from Patreon. And um, I, I just want to be very clear that just because you submit a question doesn't mean it will necessarily be on the show. And then also please know that on August 20th, I am starting my own college football season. Um, and there will not be episodes between August 20th and like roughly Thanksgiving. And there are about five episodes left before I take a two and a half month break for college football. So if you want to do questions for Ask Zach, if you're a new Patreon supporter, great. I will read your questions. I would love to do it. But no, there's about five episodes left until I go on to break for Strong Opinion Sports uh, for the next two and a half months because I'm going to... During football, the beginning of football season, I have my own, I play college football and I'm not making content during my college football season. So if you support me on Patreon, I just want everybody to know I am going to take a short break during my own football season and not make any content. And I just want to be very clear, very honest, and I'm doing the very best I can to be totally transparent. I, I am nervous about it, but I, that, that's just, um, man, I, I just want to be very honest and very open. Okay. Um, I want everyone to know what's coming up for the show. More housekeeping, I guess. Um, I start training camp for my college football team on August 20th. I'm not going to make any content from August 20th until the end of our season, which is around Thanksgiving. Now, between now and then, between now and when I take my break, I have a bunch of stuff planned. I'm going to do a Sam Darnold film analysis, a Josh Allen film analysis, Easton Stick film analysis, a Derek Carr film analysis video. Uh, I also am going to do a lot of NFL predictions and NFL previews. So I'm going to do an entire episode dedicated to predicting the schedule or the the final record of every NFL team and predicting how their season is going to go based on what they have and do kind of a preview of each team. Um, Now, the reason why I'm not doing any videos during football season, during my college football season... Is because I want to give my football season the undivided attention of me. I play quarterback, um, and you know, making content I think during the season is a really bad idea. Making content takes a lot of time. I want to study the playbook. I have homework. I have practice every day. I have games on Saturdays. I have one day off maybe every Sunday. That's it the entire week. Um, And so, and I frankly, I think people who dis who, I think people who YouTube during their season are disrespectful to their team and their teammates. Um, Your attention is divided when you make YouTube content and play football at the same time. And Like, I I really, really hate, I strongly dislike people who vlog and do game day vlogs on YouTube. If you're playing a sport, uh, my personal opinion is that your undivided attention should be on your sport. I don't want to worry about my game day you know, I'm trying to figure out the coverages, I got all my calls, I'm trying to get my stuff in place, oh, and I'm filming a video, that sounds terrible, I don't want to do that, I'm not down for that, um, I've really been bothered, I watch, I see some of the game day vlogs people do, and I'm like, dude, focus on your game, you have a game to win, and I think it's disrespectful to your teammates, and your coaches, and really yourself, you put all this work in, especially if you play quarterback, and you're filming the entire experience, it's like, it just, to me, it's an air of, I don't take it seriously, and football is the second most important thing to me, on my YouTube channel, and so, um, I, I just want to be very clear. I'm not making content during my college football season. Uh, now I will miss the first probably two months of the NFL season. It's going to be hard. It's going to suck. I'm going to have, when I come back, I'm going to have so much to say. And so, um, you know, I, I think, and I hope I can survive, um, uh, my own college football season being away and taking time off. Cause I think that's the right way to do it. And I'm always trying to be honest and open about, I do it the way I believe in and the, what I think is the right way. Um, and so I, I hope people will respect what I'm doing. I'm going to take a short break during my college football season. I'm not going to make content. It'll be about 10 weeks and uh, I hope people respect that. I hope people admire that between August 20th and Thanksgiving, there will be no videos for strong opinion sports and, um, maybe I'll surprise you. Maybe I'll exceed your expectations, but I want them very, very low because I want to focus on my college football season and I want people to know that's coming and be very open and honest about it. Okay, uh, wow, that was a lot of just stuff. And I am, I probably more than people needed to hear. Um, the MLB trade deadline is fast approaching, though, uh, which is, you know, on Wednesday, it's 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, that is when the MLB trade deadline starts. There's already been a really awesome trade in Major League Baseball. And, you know, today, observing the reactions to this trade, I learned a lot about baseball people. Because baseball people are weird and annoyingly conservative. I just, you know, like in, so a trade happened today with the Mets where the Mets traded for Blue Jays starting pitcher and their ace, Marcus Stroman. And to me, I'm like, I love this trade. This is fantastic. And if this trade took place in the NFL or the NBA, it would be considered a huge victory for the New York Mets. But for some reason, this has not been. Widely praised as an incredible trade. People are like, "What are the Knicks? What are the Mets doing? They're idiots? This and that. And, and I get it. Like some people are disappointed because they wanted Marcus Stroman to go to a better team than the Mets. I get it. But I look at this trade for the Mets and go, "Wow, That's unbelievable. I can't believe it. This is a great trade for you guys. I love it. So what that happened in the trade was the Mets got Marcus Stroman, the Blue Jays ace, their best starting pitcher. And all the Mets traded away. The Blue Jays got these two players in return. They got two prospects, Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods-Richardson. And I, I look at the and go, are you kidding me? That's an amazing trade. A great starting pitcher for two prospects in the minor leagues. I, I love that trade. I think it's great. Marcus Stroman has an earned run, earned run average of 2.96. He's got the 12th best ERA in baseball, the 5th best in the American League. And mind you this guy pitches in the AL East against the Yankees, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Red Sox, a bunch of really great batters and to me that's impressive to have a great ERA in that division. Wonderful. The Mets gave up two prospects. Anthony Kaye, the fourth-ranked prospect in their farm system and the a farm system that for the Mets is not very highly touted. It's kind of middle of the road. He, you know, Anthony Kaye is coming off Tommy John surgery. So that's one prospect I go maybe a lot of potential there, I guess, but is that worth a starting pitcher? No, that's a good trade for the Mets. And the Mets also gave us Simeon Woods Richardson, who's 18 years old. We don't really know what he's going to turn into yet. Uh, he was ranked as the sixth best prospect in the Mets organization. He's 18. He's far off from being a an MLB-ready player. And so I just look at what the Mets got. They got a great A-minus starting pitcher for like the fourth and the sixth Best prospects in their farm system, guys, a lot of potential. But you know, would you rather have substance, Marcus Stroman, or potential? These two prospects. I think this trade for the Mets was fantastic, and I really, really like it. Um, and I just, I don't understand how this trade is not unanimously a great thing all across baseball. Why isn't everybody celebrating this trade? Either I'm an idiot, or baseball people are just weirdly conservative. And I think it's really the latter. I, I just think the attitudes in baseball are so like. Oh, the, the ERA, the this number, that number. Who cares? Here's one thing I think bothers a lot of baseball people is that teams who usually make trades at the trade deadline to go get a starting pitcher, to go get a starter, did it because they're they're making a push for a World Series. They're reaching for an extra starter or an extra star player to push for a World Series appearance. And what's odd about the Mets trading for Marcus Stroman is that they are not a team in heated contention. But I still love it. I love this deal. I think it's fantastic. The Mets are 11 and a half games back in the National League East uh, from winning their division. Uh, you know, so the only way really for the Mets to win the playoffs at all is to make it to the wild card. There are six games back in the wild card. And uh, you know, I there are very slim chances, but I think the Mets are going for it. They're saying, we're going to make make a push and try to make it to the playoffs. And I love that. I think it's awesome. There are five teams ahead of the Mets. It's very unlikely. But good for them. I, I, I like what the Mets are doing. Good for them. They, they got a good starting pitcher for very little. And they're making a push to try to make the playoffs. It seems to me they're it's either doing that or another theory I'll talk about in a minute. But the Mets are trying to be interesting and trying to improve their team. And I just I love it, man. You know It's extremely doubtful that they're going to make up six games and make the wild card, but you never know. Baseball's all about I mean, getting hot at the end of the year. And what I love is, why settle for being mediocre when you can push for more? I, I think that's great. Now, uh, the next move we're going to wait and see is this. is Maybe they're not trying to make the playoffs. Maybe the Mets don't care about the playoffs. Maybe the Mets saw an opportunity to move away from Noah Snyder guard. Um, their second best starting pitcher. So, the question is, did they get Noah, Did they get Marcus Stroman to replace Noah Snyder guard or did they just see a good deal and did they take it? That, what did the Mets do? So I look at the Mets starting rotation with, if they keep Noah Snyder guard, who's reportedly going to be traded, they would have, if they kept him, they'd have Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, Noah Snyder guard, who's struggling but is a, not a bad pitcher at all, Zach Wheeler and Jason Vargas as their starting five pitching rotation. I like that a lot. I really like that. And, you know, now there are rumors, though, that Mets ownership wants to trade away uh, Snyder Guard. Fine. It's interesting. Um, I hope they don't. I hope they keep Snydergaard. I hope they keep Marcus Stroman. I like their starting pitching. Um, and, you know, Snydergaard has two years on his contract. Marcus Stroman has one year after this year. I think you keep both. You see how things work out. And if they don't work out well, you can trade him at next year's trade deadline. But I would keep both Snyder guard and Marcus Stroman. I like what they have moving forward. And I'm curious to see what the Mets do next. Do they trade Snyder guard? Do they make a push and try to make the playoffs? What is their intention behind trading for Marcus Stroman? A trade that surprised a lot of people and really just excited me. I, I don't know what to expect from the Mets next, but we keep your eye on the New York Mets. What do they do next? Do they trade Noah Snyder guard? Do they make a push for the playoffs? Does neither happen? Do they just keep on hold on to their players and maybe make a trade this offseason? I don't know, but because of this trade, I'm, I'm excited. I'm interested. And I'm curious to see what the Mets do next. Okay. My name is Zach Schalmer. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, uh, we're going to talk about the most horrifying mascot in all of America. Then we'll all, also, we'll talk about the Tampa Bay Rays stadium. This whole thing caught my attention. This horrible stadium mix-up and just the Tampa Bay Rays are just in a nightmare situation with their stadium. Talk about both of those things coming up. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, I want to now bring your attention to baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays stadium situation has become an absolute Fascination of mine. I've gone deep down the rabbit hole, and I'm I'm really just I I'm, I'm embarrassed at how much I got interested in this. Uh, what first grabbed my attention was I read a headline that the Rays were proposing splitting their season between two different cities, having a a home city for the beginning of their season and a home city for the end of their season. So they'd play the first half of their year, you know, spring and early summer in Florida in the Tampa area. And then they'd spend the later summer months, early fall months, you know, early fall time at half of the season up in Montreal, Canada. And my immediate reaction when I heard this was, what in the world is going on? What idea is that that's ridiculous, that's stupid, that's a terrible idea? I mean, the fans get hammered, the players get hammered, the players would have to pay taxes in Canada and in America, in the U.S., uh, and... You know, the reasoning for this idea was because the Rays wanted to build a new stadium. But the stadium idea was too expensive because of the roof. And so the answer was build a stadium without a roof. However, because of Florida weather, I guess they have to play the second half of the season in Canada. Because, again, I guess of weather. Is weather bad? And I don't know enough about Florida. I guess early fall, late summer. It must be terrible Florida weather. Lots of rain or something. I don't know. It's very weird. But what I quickly found out was I was taken for a fool. All of this stuff, this idea of splitting their season between two cities, all this complete nonsense. When I listened to the St. Petersburg, Florida mayor, Rick Kreisman, talk about this. Here's what he said. Take
1: a listen. I want to be crystal clear. The Rays cannot explore playing any major league baseball games in Montreal or anywhere else for that matter prior to 2028 without reaching a formal memorandum of understanding with the city of St. Petersburg. And ultimately such a decision is up to me. And I have no intention of bringing this idea to our city council to consider. In fact, I believe this is getting a bit silly. Now I, I have great respect for Stu Sternberg and for his leadership team. I love the product that they put on the field I love how they play the game. But after 12 years of indecision, including three years of exploring its options throughout the Tampa Bay region, like many in Tampa Bay, I am tired of the games that are being played related to getting a new stadium built. The residents of St. Pete, the Tampa Bay area, the fans of the team, each of you in the media, we all deserve better and should not take this too seriously. This is just the latest chapter in the book of negotiations. And speaking of negotiations, let me again be crystal clear about this. I am ready to sit down with the team to have serious discussions about the financing of a stadium with a full-time team here in St. Petersburg. I'm also ready to begin the process of redeveloping the Tropicana Field site with or without plans for a new stadium at the end of this summer. And I have asked the Rays to let me know, one way or another, what their future and final plans are. Major League Baseball may have given the approval for exploration of this concept, but for us in St. Pete, sharing this team with Montreal is not an option on the table.
0: So, uh, basically, this guy says, no, you cannot go unless we sign off on it. He also called out the Rays for making, you know, weird political moves and using negotiating tactics. And then he said, "You're wasting everybody's time. This is stupid. This is annoying. It's a waste." And um, you know, I, I want to explain. You know, if you don't understand, I want to spell out for you the Tampa Bay Rays stadium situation. The Rays play in Tropicana Field, which is at the end of I. I you look, know, Florida people might get mad at me. I'm sorry. It's basically at the end of a. If you look at a map. Tropicana Field's at the bottom of a peninsula. It's sort of isolated. There's, you know, in the middle of the day when there's no traffic around noon, it's about a 25-minute drive from downtown Tampa to St. Petersburg, Florida, where Tropicana Field is. That's without traffic, and that's just from downtown. Now, the population center of Tampa, Florida is not necessarily downtown. People live in the outskirts and want to drive. It's like an hour for people with traffic and stuff to get to the baseball stadium and I think it's actually longer. It's it's a horrible area for there to be a stadium, according to people of Florida. Either, you either have to cross bridges, across water, or have to drive down south, down the peninsula to the bottom of the peninsula where the stadium is. Maybe people, again, hate the word peninsula. I'm sorry if you do. But it's across Tampa Bay from Tampa, Florida is where the stadium is. The point is this, because the traffic, it's a pain to get to. It's really isolated. And it's sort of an old, crappy stadium. People say that Tropicana Field stinks; they don't like it. Um, nobody really goes to games. They regularly drop under ten thousand people in attendance, and it's just a mess. It's a really bad situation. And so the Rays proposed to build a new stadium across the way, across the bay, in Tampa. It was a beautiful design. It's really pretty. Uh, it's in the Ebor area. Ebor is a you know an area in Tampa. And they would have called it the Ybor City Ballpark. Ballpark, And this was estimated to cost $900 million. Now, Tampa or you know the Hillsborough County area was only going to pay for half of the stadium. They said, we'll pay $450 million. You got to find out a way to come up with the rest of the money. And the Rays said, no, no way. We are not doing that. You have to bring up more money. If you want, it, you want us to have a stadium in your area, you better put up more money for that. Uh, because you know many other cities are desperate for a team like the Rays to come to their city and would put up a lot more money to have a baseball team than Tampa was apparently willing to put up. So if the Rays accepted that $900 million stadium, only getting $450 million from the city of Tampa, the Hillsborough County, would have been a bad business deal for the Rays. Because again, a city like Montreal or Portland or Nashville... Is saying, we'll build we'll basically build you a stadium. You come to us. We want you that badly. They're gonna put other cities are gonna put up way more money because they want the Tampa Bay Rays in their city. They want the Rays to land there in relocation. Now, the problem with the Rays leaving Tampa Bay, and really the advantages, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, if you want to keep the Rays in Tampa, Florida. Here are the advantages for maybe keeping your team in that area. One is the Rays' lease on their stadium at Tropicana Field doesn't end until 2027. That's eight years from now. I guess, you know, in terms of business, that's not that long, but it's also not that soon. There's a while until this problem is going to get solved in Tampa, Florida. And it's also noted that Major League Baseball, the owners of baseball teams, would much prefer to have two expansion teams join the league. If you're going to put a team in a, a city like Portland or Montreal, you want it to be an expansion team because expansion teams require a $1.5 billion, with a B, $1.5 billion buy-in to join the league. And What that means is that $1.5 billion would get distributed between all 30 MLB teams. All 30 MLB owners would divide up that $1.5 billion. So basically, when the league expands, MLB owners get richer. MLB owners would much prefer the league to expand so they can get more money in their pockets than have the Rays relocate. Because if teams move and don't add new teams to the league, the owners don't get that money added to their pocketbook. Makes sense to me. Now, uh, another complication is if you put a team in Portland, for example, there's a territorial dispute that will happen. Uh, teams like the Seattle Mariners who are relatively close to Portland would complain that their geographic area is being cut into and hurting their fan base. You know, the Mariners would want to be paid compensation for the damage that's being hit to their fan base. You know, I guess Portlanders, I'm, I'm a Portland guy. I grew up in Portland my whole life. I guess they're saying Portlanders are Mariners fans, not me, never been one. Um, but and that's, that's not true. I guess I was, but you no, know, actually, I take that back. When I was a kid, I loved the Mariners, so I guess it makes sense for the Mariners to say. But the point is, it adds a complicated wrinkle where the Mariners want to get paid compensation for adding a team to Portland because it hurts their geographic fan base. Now, in all, if you look at me and ask me that, the Tampa Bay Rays stadium situation is a gigantic mess. They can't get a city paid for a stadium paid for by the city. Their lease doesn't expire for eight more years. Really, they're not favored to relocate because. Owners would rather expand the league so they can get a buy-in fee from the new ownership groups. And, you know, there's more complications with stealing territories and fan bases and compensation for damages and all that. So unless Tampa Bay, that area, the Tampa region, whether it's St. Petersburg or Tampa, Florida or Hillsborough County puts up more money by 2027, um, I I do believe that at some point, if unless if More money is proposed to the Rays. I think the Rays are going to leave the city they're in because another city is simply going to put up more money and say, we will give you a stadium if you come to our city, whether it's Nashville, Montreal, or Portland. But also, you know, multiple cities want teams. It's not just Portland. It's not just Montreal. It's not just Nashville. A lot of cities would like to have baseball stadium, baseball teams in their their city that are affiliated with Major League Baseball. And so my belief is that not only will the Rays leave by 2027, here's my prediction. The Rays are going to leave after 2027. That's what I believe. I believe also we're going to get two more Major League Baseball expansion teams because owners are hungry for those expansion fees. $3 billion dispersed between 30 NFL, thirty MLB franchises. That's $100 million for each franchise. Uh, so I think it, all... Three of those things are going to happen. You know, I think first of all, two teams are going to be added to Major League Baseball, and that's two. That's that's only two, not three. And I do believe the Rays, in fact, are going to leave Tampa Bay, Florida, that whole area, and go to another city because I don't think the Tampa region is willing to pay for their stadium. And because of that, another city is going to come in give the Rays a better offer, and swoop the Rays out of Tampa, Florida, and the Rays will eventually relocate, even if two new teams are added to Major League Baseball. That's my opinion. That is what I predict will happen. Both the Rays are going to move, and baseball is going to expand to 32 teams in Major League Baseball. Okay, Uh, last topic of the day. Um, I live in the Portland, Oregon region, um, and I am a you know I, I'm a huge fan of the Portland Pickles baseball team. I love them. It's fantastic. It's a collegiate wood bat team, and uh, man, the games are great. I guess they play in like it's the I'm reading here. It's the Great West League. I've I have no idea what it is. I don't really care. The games are fun. It's a great atmosphere. They have dill pickle margaritas, which sounds weird, but I, I promise they're absolutely amazing. They get like 2,000 people at their games. It's amazing. It's probably an overstep. They're weird, but they're good, and I like them. You get a pickle on a stick. They have all these traditions. The point is I love this really silly little baseball team, the Portland Pickles. It makes my heart incredibly happy. I go with my friends. It's a blast. There's one thing that I love about this that I want to bring to everybody's attention. First of all, it's a great stadium. They play at Lentz Park. I grew up playing baseball there. Uh, it's my in my old neighborhood. I grew up in, in Portland. It's fantastic. Um, but there's one thing about this little baseball team that I believe deserves national attention. It's just so, um, you know, and, and I say this with absolute affection. Um, I believe the Portland Pickles have the creepiest mascot costume of any team in the history of sports. Um, I and, and by the way, I'm down for it. I want to be very clear. I'm not being critical. I love the Portland Pickles mascot costume, but it's also incredibly unsettling. Um, now, the pickle itself is not a bad idea. Dylan the Portland Pickle is awesome. He's got a really fun Instagram account. Go follow Dylan the Portland Pickle. It's great. But the execution of the costume is just, it, it's horrifying. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I'm, I'm sorry. And mind you, not complaining. I, I love it. I hope it never changes. Genuinely, if it changed, I'd be very sad. And, and you know, I call it creepy and, and it is creepy, but it's also endearing. Like it, its a, it works. It does work. I do enjoy it. Uh, and I genuinely would be sad if this video caused some kind of change, and they changed the Portland Pickle mascot costume. Um, but I, I just think the world needs to know—you know, this pickle has a smile that's way too big, and it's unsettling. And his hat is super low, like over his face. And you know, the best part is this: This mascot's head like slants forward, so he's always—he's smiling really creepy, like down at you the entire time. And it's—it's it's the most horrifying hilarious and amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, and just, there's this wonderful baseball team that puts on a great event with a horrifying mascot that makes the experience even better. And I just think people need to know about this mascot, Dylan, the Portland pickle, the design of the costume is the most, you know, unfortunate, hilarious thing I've ever seen. Um, and I, and I just, it makes the experience way more fun. My buddies went the other day, they went and got Dylan, it was Bobblehead Night. They went and got Dylan the Pickle bobbleheads. My buddy joked, he's like, "I'm gonna forever worship this thing. I, 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 I'm down for it. I love it. Dylan the Portland Pickle is an amazing mascot, but it's also, oh, wildly creepy and and just the most brilliant, wonderful thing I've seen. I, I love it so much. Truly, I do. You know, it's go to a, if you're in the Portland area, go to a Portland Pickles game. It's a blast. They're fun. Get a beer, drink with your friends, hang out, watch baseball. It's truly a great experience. And uh, follow Dylan the Portland Pickle on their Instagram account. I, I just, I love this stupid little baseball team. It's so much fun. Their games are great. Their mascot is horrifying. And I, I just wanted to share with the world this ridiculous thing. Um, and I have no doubt the thumbnail for this video is going to be the best, most clickbaity, hilarious title, thumb, you know, thumbnail you've ever seen. I'm so excited. Guys, go, if you're ever in the Portland area, go to a Portland Pickles game in the summer. It is so much Fun. All right. Uh, that is all I have. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, this episode felt weird and disjointed and discombobulated. I am sorry if it felt like a mess. Um, it did not start well. My hand is still bleeding. I don't uh, – I think it's from the door I put up. I did build a door like two minutes before recording this podcast. My hair is down. I can't even talk. I was wearing stupid sunglasses. I uh, All around, I just uh, – <sighs> thanks for sticking with me. I know I'm kind of an idiot a lot. And I, I'm very grateful you listen and you enjoy the show. And uh, I, I just will talk. Next episode will be on Thursday. We'll do a lot of film analysis at quarterbacks. And uh, we'll do the first ever segment of Ask Zach. I'm very excited. I hope you guys like it. My name is Zach Schomler. We have a great day. bum Bam. We are done. Oh, don't leave yet. Please, if you're listening still, follow me on Instagram. I want it so badly get to 10,000 followers on Instagram. That's my dream, my life goal. If you're listening and haven't left yet, go follow me on Instagram, at Zach Schaumler. And thank you so much to everybody who supports me on Patreon. I am so grateful. I'm going to give you something worth your money and worth your time with Ask Zach. Hope you enjoy it. My name is Zach Schaumler. Have a great day. Banum bum bam, we are